Good morning and good coffee. How's everybody doing today? This is Morning Coffee with Larry, and I've got my fresh brew nicely warming my hands. I'm not sure which flavor it is, but it's got a very good aroma. Uh, that is something I enjoy. It is soothing to have a warm cup on a cold morning. And I hope if you are having a cold morning somewhere, you have already been out to let the dog out or anything like that, that you come back into a nice warm cup of your favorite beverage. Uh, here at the uh, Quicksaw Farmstead and Homestead, it is 27 degrees, but it feels like it's 22. And either way you cut it, it's a little bit chilly when you go take the puppy out. But I hope you have a great day. And before we get into our main topic today, I want to just kind of do a little reminiscing on a bit of a sad note. Um, uh, there was, uh, when it comes to theater, I re I'm talking about live theater. I really, I have a, a very much an enjoyment for it. Uh, if I have the opportunity and the funds are available, I do not mind at all going to see live theater. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, I had the opportunity to be in some plays and musicals. I, I cut my teeth by working the lights in the balcony when I was a freshman and we did the, the play MASH. I had a small part of, oh goodness, what was the name of the character? Edward Williams Esquire in The Mouse That Roared, which was about a school. I played Professor Kokins in The Mouse That Roared. In my senior year, I got to play Little Abner uh, in Little Abner. And that's where my live performing on a stage for, for theater ended. It would have been nice to continue, but there was a change in direction. So, uh, But I have a brother in brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Sean and Kathleen, and they are involved with a theater company up in Aurora, Illinois, called the Riverside Playhouse, or Riverfront, Riverfront Playhouse. And if you ever, if you're from that area and ever get to have uh, the opportunity to go watch one of their performances, it is a blast. They are a fun theater troupe. It's a small little theater, only seats about 100 people, and they sell out every performance. Uh, they do uh, a lot of their own pieces that their members <clears throat> of their th theater company will write. And uh, they had one cast member in particular that always was larger than life on stage. Uh he uh, had a key role, I guess the title role, in a, uh, uh, a show that they did for many years, modifying it each year they did it, uh, that was called uh, Fat Bill's Roadside Cafe, and he played Fat Bill. He also uh, played uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present, a um, lot of different shows. His name, Steve Rasmussen. Um, he had wild white hair on the top of his head and a great big full white beard that went halfway down his chest at times. Um, he also got to uh, perform a, 
a very unique role in a little independent movie that was produced a few years ago called Heaven is Hell. Uh, little uh, <laughs> interesting and fun film about kind of like post-apocalyptic zombie movie where uh, demons had taken over heaven. And uh, the good guys, the apostles and others were trying to take it back. Uh, and and put Jesus back in charge and and Steve played uh, Noah. <laughs> he played a very good Noah. It was uh, if you get a chance. Well, I will try to find some links and put them down in the show notes. Uh, inter- interesting concept film, I will say that, and I've watched it several times because there were a few people from the the Riverfront Playhouse. <clears throat> that that performed in that uh, it wasn't done by their company but it was and they had several of their members playing it but the sad news is that um this week uh steve passed away after a uh a battle an illness battle and um my heart's really kind of pondering on him this morning um i only introduced myself to him. I was, I was not one that was privileged enough to, to know him, uh, on that personal basis as others had. Um, and my, uh, my heart goes out to my friends there, my family and friends that are at that playhouse that I know are having a hard time with Steve's passing. So a little shout out to them. And uh, you can take a look at the links that I stick in there on this. And uh, uh, so you have an idea of who I'm talking about. So a little bit on the personal side there this morning. Well, I guess that's kind of what I do a lot of times on this podcast. It is personal. But anyway, back on our regular topic, we are going to be continuing in our series on marriage. And one of my coworkers... uh, said yesterday, I don't know, I'm not married, I don't know if I, you know, I want something that applies to me. And it's like, you know what, these these things that have to do with marriage are having to do with the relationship in marriage. And there are aspects of this that you can apply to a host of different relationships you have in your life. Uh, you can always learn something new or uh, and or improve on something and have it work in other areas of life also. So if you are not married, don't don't you know miss out on the podcast for a couple of weeks just because it's the theme. Apply it in other ways. So today we're going to be looking at respect and how that looks like in a marital relationship. So we're going to dive into that right after this lovely commercial message. Respect Respect is the second foundation of the five foundations of a successful marital relationship. It's important. It's a key foundation. I place it right behind commitment. Commitment you've got to have in order to deal with and work through the problems and keep a marriage together. And respect is critical and key because it has to do with what we believe about ourselves, about our spouse, about our spouse's family. And if we don't believe the right things, 
it isn't going to last. As a matter of fact, it can become destructive and damaging to everybody involved. So what is respect? Well, we've got a couple of good authorities of some snippets, I guess you could say, some observations on respect. In the first of these, I'm going to uh, quote or sing, is from Aretha Franklin. And she had a pretty famous song called Respect. And for those of us with poor spelling, she made sure that we knew how to spell the song or the, uh, the word respect. But Aretha, as she sang it, there was a real important thing that came out in just one phrase. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. You see, it's a, respect is different for each person, how they interpret it. And if you're going to enter into and maintain a quality relationship, and that can be any kind of relationship, friendship, business, uh, neighbor relationship, marital, <clears throat> parent-child relationship, we need to understand how the other person interprets respect. Now, their interpretation may not be the best, but that's how they're going to be interpreting us. So, Retha points it out. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. So when you think about respect, how, does, how do you interpret people's behaviors or actions as being respectful? That's a good question. Another uh, song that had to do with respect is not necessarily the best example as far as behavior, but it tells you where things start to go wrong, and it opens up a whole new avenue regarding respect. It's from that uh, group, Mungo Jerry, and the song is In the Summertime. Now, there's been several other people who have remade this song, but uh, this version is always, I guess, my favorite. And it's from the second verse. And the, uh, the words go like this. In the summertime when the... No, that's the first verse. <laughs> okay, here's the second verse. I don't have a cheat sheet in front of me, so bear with me. Um, if her daddy's rich, take her out for a meal. If her daddy's poor, just do what you feel. Yeah. We sing along. We like the song. It's catchy. It's about the summertime. But that verse isn't really that good as far as describing honorable behavior. If her daddy's rich, or if you respect her daddy, well, take her out for a meal. But if her daddy's poor, if you don't respect him, eh, do what you feel. See, that, that plays a part in human behavior. If you don't respect or if you don't fear, you know, the uh the your your girlfriend or your boyfriend's family, 
Well, are you always going to behave honorably? I don't know. You know, there's uh, how we view someone's parents, or specifically how we view someone's, you know, father. If you're a guy, um, that's that's going to play a, a a critical part in how you treat his daughter. Back in 1994, I attended a Promise Keepers convention or conference, and Promise Keepers, for those of you who may be too young to remember, it was a Christian men's conference that uh, had a series of these for several years in the 1990s. Uh, it was pretty amazing. Uh, we would fill uh, football stadiums with guys trying to learn uh, biblically uh, how to become a better father, a better husband, a better example of a man. And it was... Um, it, it was it was kind of um, humbling in many ways because the speakers made you really do some thinking about yourself. And this topic, I don't think they sang the song by Mungo Jerry, but this topic came up. And, you know, with the, how well do you respect your wife's father? And then, and I think the speaker was John Maxwell. Uh, he, he made quite an impact on me during that time. It was when he was, it was before he, if you know who he is, uh, it was before the time when he really became known internationally. He was still a pastor of a church in California, I believe. But he talked about, you know, you may be able to pull the wool over her earthly father's eyes, but what about her heavenly father? The one who sees and knows what's in your heart. How you respect her. How you respect her. And the same applies to women. You know, you may be able to pull the wool over his mom's eyes. Or his dad's eyes. But, can you pull the wool over his heavenly father's eyes? And that really, that hit me. That hit me to, to really stop and think about, you know, what do, how do I uh, think about, uh, how do I think about my wife? And in thinking about men that I was there with, that I was, uh, you know, in uh, small groups with, you know, how, how are they looking at things? And what kind of a difference does that make in your behavior? in how you interact with uh, your spouse, how you interact with your kids, thinking about respect. Now, how does respect go down the toilet in a marriage? Well, sometimes it wasn't in a good place to start with. You know, if a person is taught in their family, excuse me, disrespect, then that will likely continue on unless there is a major change. And you can see this. Stop and think about people you have met and you have known over the years. How do they typically respect people? And some folks feel trapped in that area of respect. You know, there. this is on a slightly different topic, 
uh, or an example. It doesn't, it, but it ties into the idea of respect and the dilemma that some people have. There was a person that I worked with many years ago, and he was very much racist. And he was not shy about sharing it. But he found himself in a dilemma. He had a close family member who married somebody of a different race. And of course, he was fuming about it at the start. But then he found himself in situations where he actually got to be around this person and found that this person was a very honorable man. He had good, solid character. He had better character than, frankly, his own grown children. And that put him in a dilemma because he was confronted with a new reality that he couldn't just toss away. But he also came from a family where racism was a big part of that family. And here he was sitting in the latter part of his life going, what do I do with this? I cannot treat this man that I have now met and gotten to know with disrespect. But what was taught to him and what was a part of his family for generations does he abandon all of that? And that that's a dilemma with respect. What happens in families when people are taught disrespect? Now, that was on a, as a racist example. But, you know, what happens when people are taught disrespect inside the family? Well, he's just a man. Oh, she's just a woman. And what those beliefs are. It's not just one-sided. I have I have seen disrespect inside of families where it goes against women and it goes against men. But so that's one way. The other way, let's say it starts off good and there is good respect. But where it often happens is each and every one of us we have um, how do I put it? Um, behaviors or things that we see people do that we cannot envision ourselves doing. We see things, we hear things, and it's like, nope, nope, nope. I am totally against that. I will not do that. I won't do that. And we don't. I mean, we all have those kinds of things that we feel strongly about. But then what happens when we see our spouse do that behavior. Holy crud. That came out of the blue. How in the world are they doing that? I wouldn't ever do that. Well, if it's a one-time thing and their character is typically not to do that, we can excuse that in most cases. We can let that one go. But what happens if it starts happening on a regular basis? Hmm. Yeah. That's where the problem comes in. Because you see, the first step we take is, I'm above that behavior. Second step, when we see our spouse routinely doing that behavior, our next step then is, 
since I'm above this behavior and my spouse is embracing it, I'm above my spouse. You follow me? Now, when that behavior annoys us, we can then move into step three, which is that behavior annoys me. My spouse is doing it. I can treat my spouse with contempt since he or she is doing that behavior. I'm above my spouse, so I can treat them poorly when they do this. And let me tell you, things go downhill really fast then. We start rationalizing and justifying our own bad behaviors. I remember a couple where the husband, in in kind of dissecting their situation and going back in time, he was very, very committed to his wife. And he was convinced that she had had an affair. And he then, when he confronted her about it, she denied it, she denied it, she denied it. And she was consistent in that denial, but he kept believing it. And so now, in his mind, it's bad enough she had an affair, which I can never imagine myself ever doing. And she's lying about it, which that just makes it worse. So this fumed in him until he came to the point of, Well, if she's done it, and if she's going to do it, and if she's going to lie about it, I might as well also. And he started having multiple affairs. See how that can deteriorate? Now, that didn't deteriorate overnight. But have you ever met people where they're doing get-backs in their marriage to their spouse? May not be something huge like that, but it may be in other areas. That ties in with respect. We have to be aware of how our respect is regarding our spouse and do everything we can to preserve it. Because if we don't, it's not only going to hurt the marriage, it's going to destroy us. It's going to destroy us. So think of your spouse in a different light. Think of your spouse as they are in in a um, not as not specifically their behavior but in who they are they're a person that you chose you chose them they were imperfect but you want to hold them in respectful regard i'm not talking about putting them on a high pedestal so that anytime they goof up that it's there for everybody to see Now, I'm talking about demonstrating and living with a view of respect. All right. That is all I'm going to cover on respect for today. And next time, we will continue with uh, the topic of love. Oh, and it will be a lovely time. (laughs) Have a great day.